Hello there. Good evening. Or at least it's evening here in Hobart, where I'm recording my first ever full episode. Now, I thought we'd better get it out in the open, since um, I've explained that most or a good deal of my recordings will be done from my bed, that there's someone I share my bed with. And um, right on cue, she stopped snoring. (laughs) But the reason why I want to talk about dogs in my first episode is that it's highly likely that you will hear a fair bit of snoring when I'm talking to you. So apologies in advance if that's annoying. And if anybody um, struggles with uh, kind of repetitive background noise, it might not be the, uh, the most soothing sounds. But, you know, kind of just got to get used to it, I guess, or well, I hope you can. Um, feel free to message me if anyone finds it problematic. I know that um, there is a little uh, way somehow within this um, anchor podcasting uh, tool that you can voice message me as well. And I'd love to hear from anyone is listening but yeah if Frankie's snoring becomes an issue uh, you know we might be able to come up with a solution in fact I'd be oh I can hear it's raining now too we've had some absolutely hellish wind over the last week here in Hobart and it is just you know it's been driving me batty to be honest and it gets very noisy here in my room as well so that might be something else that we have to um, contend with but yes that is why I thought I would have a chat tonight it's just me and a snoring Frankie about my relationship with dogs it's something that has been I guess a big part of my life ever since I was a little kid but I've only really realised that as I'm growing older. Uh, Two or three years ago, I think, maybe at least two years ago, I was starting to think, who am I? (laughs) We always have these kind of times in our life, I guess, where we kind of question our identities um, to either a small or large extent. Um, The road that you're travelling on, are you content? Are you happy? And... This was before I was diagnosed with autism and I remember thinking, I just feel like a chameleon. Um, I feel like I can just reflect to anybody who they want me to be. I, I, I can just morph into whoever other people want me to be. Um, that could be partly because I've been a professional actor ever since I was six years old, my first job um, in Western Australia on television was as a six-year-old. But I think it has more to do with um, my personality and the way I'm wired, that I really am curious to know people but also want to please people. But anyway, long story short, because we're talking about dogs today, there might be another episode about my childhood acting career. (laughs) Um, But... I think what I realised a couple of years ago is I thought I don't really know who I am under all the who I'm supposed to be or 
who I feel like I should be or who other people want me to be. And I dug and dug and dug in my mind over quite a long period of time. And eventually it came down to two things that I knew for sure that I could remember from when I was two years old, you know, before anything had happened to me, so to speak. And I'll flag that one for some more episodes down the line. But um, what I could remember and what I knew in the core of me is I like flowers and I like dogs. <laughs> Fairly simple. I mean, we don't know many kids that don't like flowers and dogs or, you know, animals in general, I guess. Um, but I have a special relationship with dogs. I've also come to realise quite recently that that is um, a fairly common autistic trait, uh, more so with cats than dogs, I hear, for um, people with um, the kind of autism spectrum disorder I have. And for those who may be interested, it's what used to be called Asperger's or high-functioning autism. Neither of those uh, monikers are in use anymore. I simply have autism. I have an autism spectrum disorder. Um, there's a couple of reasons that... Um, that they're not used anymore and that's something I'll go into in another episode down the line where I talk a little bit more about my recent diagnosis and about my life thus far as an autistic girl and woman. Anyway, it's so hard to get off track in this first episode, not to get off track in this very first episode because there's so much to talk to you about. But we're talking about dogs. So yes, I have always loved dogs loved dogs and had a very special relationship with dogs. I remember the first dog um, that was ours was a little white poodle called Timmy. I don't quite remember how he came to be with us but it was something to do with my dad driving a banana truck at the time, driving from Perth to Carnarvon with bananas and I think he was hit by a car either the truck dad was driving or another car or anyhow dad ended up bringing home this little white poodle with a um cast on his leg that's all I remember and I remember at the time we had a cat we had a black and white cat he was almost all black but he had um white boots like up to his what would be in knees if you're a human I guess um and he was called Wellington, short for Wellington boots or gum boots, I guess is the British term for gum boots. Um, so we had Wellington the cat, who I don't really remember much at all, but then Timmy came along. And over the years, um, as a kid, we had a couple, not many, but a couple of family dogs. The most impressive that I remember was a beautiful brown bitza called Brandy. I remember carrying her shortly after we got her. I don't know where we got her from, but um, I was in the front seat of the van that we had and she was um, on my lap and I remember <laughs> almost jumping out of the window. <laughs> um, that wasn't the greatest memory of Brandy, but... Um, Brandy went on to live a pretty long and impressive life. She had four litters of puppies 
from memory they were eight, nine, nine and ten. That's how many were in each litter. Terribly, terribly, terribly uh, irresponsible of my family and I'll go so far as to blame my father uh, for his miserly ways of not wanting to spend money desexing our animal. But all the experiences I had growing up with my pet dog being pregnant watching her through those pregnancies, watching the labours, seeing her give birth to these dogs, seeing a couple of the puppies, um, I think um, two at least that I know of went to family members, um, our our cousins' um, households. And, uh, yeah, some really incredible memories of of this dog. She was kind of my main childhood dog, I guess. But what I found fascinating, um, and it's only in hindsight that I found out that this was quite unusual, is the way that dogs would come to me. Uh, This still kind of happens now, actually. Um, And I'm working currently with dogs, walking them, Uh, on and off over the last few years I've done a lot of house sitting that involves um, being with dogs and um, one of my dog walking clients at the moment is a quite um, anxious and kind of codependent dog who hasn't had the easiest life because her owner has some health issues so she kind of doesn't get out and about she hasn't been socialized she doesn't really like other dogs or other people very much she's quite a frightened um frightened girl and um so I do a little bit of I guess therapy (laughs) we uh spend time together I'm gradually getting her used to being with someone else and being out in the world and not being so frightened um, she's starting to act like a dog, which um, is really lovely. I remember the day, I've skipped forward here, but I think anyone who wants to listen to these podcasts is going to know that I ramble a bit. I talk a lot. <laughs> it's what I do. I um, feel here as I'm lying in bed with my snoring dog that I'm talking to a friend. So if you choose to listen, I hope you can follow my um, back and forth thing. But um, yes, back to this client dog of mine currently in Hobart. Uh, And I walk her um, anything from one to three times a week, but aiming for more than less at the moment. And um, the very first time I walked her, which was several months ago now, there was no eye contact at all. Um, she's incredibly noisy when I get there. Um, if you didn't know dogs very well and you saw her, you would not go anywhere near her. Um, I I wasn't sure whether I could do the job or not. I said, look, let me come and meet her. If I'm fearful or if I'm not um, happy to go ahead, then I won't. But let's just see how we go. Very, very noisy, um, all teeth and very loud barking and um, jumping. And and then once we got walking, it took quite some time. It took probably three weeks before she even turned around and looked at me. And 
it was just such a wonderful moment the day that she did because all that we would do is I would get her collars on and her leads on, two collars and two leads, just to make doubly sure. And then we'd just head off and I wouldn't do anything. I wouldn't try to interact with her, talk to her, anything. I'd just be with her and maybe make some little um, non-language sounds now and again, just some soothing sounds. And I'd just walk with her and I'd let her lead the way completely. She wouldn't pull, she'd just lead. But she wouldn't sniff like a dog sniffs. She wouldn't check in with me or anything. It was just this really unusual situation. So that went on for two or three weeks. And then eventually, one day, it was right at the end of our walk, because, you know, she knew that we were nearly home, she just turned around and looked at me. She just clocked me. It was barely even a, a glance, but just enough. And almost like a little chin lift, like humans do almost. It was almost like this little, oh yeah. And it was just the most awesome moment. I was like, okay, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. It's going to take some time, but we're going to be okay. And um, yeah, I'll tell you more about her another day, but you know, it's just such a lovely experience when I, if her owner is up and about when I'm there, he will just say to me, oh, she loves you. She loves you every single time. <laughs> we have the same kind of conversations and um, it's just fantastic to, to know that it's making a difference. But yes, as a young child, I had this weird thing that would happen. I would walk to school from one of the houses that I lived in in Perth in Western Australia and it was in an inner city suburb. But back in the day, I'm pretty sure, so this was when I had Brandy. She was um, still alive then, the one who had all the puppies. Um, I think we weren't the only people who had our bit of a wandering dog, unregistered dog. Um, just kind of gallivanting dog. <laughs> in fact, I'm sure we weren't. And maybe things weren't so strict back in the day. I'm thinking of probably, you know, 1983-ish, three, four-ish. Um, weren't so strict in, the, in, in terms of having to have your dog always on your property or registered or under lock and key as it is today. Like, uh, because what would happen is I would leave for school and the walk from memory was about 20 minutes. Now I wasn't really fond of school by that stage. I think I gave up on school in about grade two. So I'm thinking this is grade three. And I would walk to school with plenty of time to get there. Yet I would never arrive on time. <laughs> and by the time I got to this park area just near my school, I would often have up to six dogs with me. So I would start my journey and they would just gravitate towards me. Um, I don't recall ever talking to them, not in words or English, not in any spoken language. I just recall being so happy. Um, a lot of things in my life at this age and stage were not good. Um, I won't go into those now. They may come up in another episode. But at this point, 
surrounded by sometimes two, maybe three, but up to six. I remember once counting and going, wow, I have six dogs. So that must have been a moment, perhaps the most I'd had at one time, I don't know, of just feeling like I was with my people. (laughs) The dogs were my people. I have a dog thing. And as I said earlier, I've recently found out that that is a common um, female autistic trait, more often with cats than with dogs. And I don't mind cats. I think I'm a little allergic to them, which might put me off wanting to spend as much time with them as I want to spend with dogs. But no, if I'm honest, I'm a dog person and I always have been. So um, that's a really beautiful memory I have from my childhood. Um, It's lovely to have a dog again. I stupidly went almost 20 years without my own dog. Beautiful Frankie, who I have at the moment, just turned two um, the other week. And um, she's a trainee assistance dog through a fantastic organisation called Mind Dog, which are an Australian organisation who um, help train dogs to be uh, certified assistance dogs for mental health. So mostly, um, mostly I believe uh, people who have mind dogs usually have anxiety disorders or um, some other mental health condition where a companion animal um, can be of assistance to them. Um, they can even be trained to help with medication and reminders and seizures and all sorts of other things. But in my case... Um, I sought um, Frankie to be an assist my um, assistance dog before I even knew I had autism because that's a new diagnosis. It was um, because I have had and do have um, complex PTSD, or known as CPTSD, and I've essentially had that since childhood, um, I guess, but um, manifesting in some quite... Um, extreme anxiety at times Uh, and she's just been incredible. Um, I've been a little lax this year in the training I gotta say but we've bought ourselves another year we probably won't do the actual full um, testing uh, until next year. She wasn't quite two when we were um, coming up to the chance to test and I thought no I'm happy for her to still be a student for a while longer. I don't feel the need in the coming months to be taking her on aeroplanes or things like that. We've got a lot more practice to do. So um, yeah she is just gorgeous and now she's turning the snoring on for you as um, as we're speaking. <laughs> I'm sure most people do these podcasts with edits and things, but if you haven't noticed already, I'm a bit of a one-take-wonder kind of girl. <laughs> I just like to to talk and um, obviously there'll be little stuff-ups and funny things happening, but I kind of prefer just to get it all out there in one go. That's um, how I work as a writer as well, interestingly enough. Um, how I've written song lyrics, how I've written scripts. I need to learn how to edit. Maybe this process will teach me that. But normally I'm just a pretty, you know, what you see, what you hear is what you get. I'm not very good at kind of 
slapping on the lacquer. I tend to just put it out there. <laughs> so, yeah, um, just a few more things to talk about. Gosh, it's almost been 20 minutes. Um, I had in mind a few things I was going to talk about, about dogs. Um, yeah, I was a vet nurse for a little while on and off um, probably for about three years when my children were very young um, I think apart from being an actor and or a performer a creative in some way the only other kind uh, real job I ever wanted was to be a veterinary surgeon I was um, really loved the uh, all creatures great and small uh, television series and also the books. When I was a little kid, I had a big anthology of, of uh, those stories. The writer's name escapes me at the moment. I can have that problem with nouns when I go fishing. I can never find what I'm looking for, whether they're people's names or proper nouns or even just, you know, the name of an object. It can be really difficult for me at times. So, um, you know who I mean, those of you who know, maybe I'll pop a note in later, um, the fantastic um, books that the um, television series, BBC television series, All Creatures Great and Small was based on. Anyway, I wanted to be a vet surgeon. That was one of the jobs I wanted to have when I was a little girl. And when I had a... My girls, they were both born by that stage. Yes, my youngest was a little baby. I decided that I would just basically ring every vet surgeon in the phone book (laughs) and ask how I would go about getting an apprenticeship in the same manner as I did with um, cooking when I was 16 years old. More of that in another episode. Um, But uh, they were all basically like, well, it's really hard to do, it's really hard, basically we're not interested, you know, they must get lots of people calling up or approaching them. And um, how in Tasmania, well, you can't study vet science in Tasmania, otherwise I probably would have um, tried to do that earlier. Uh, In fact, all of the things I was interested in you couldn't study in Tasmania at that time. Architecture, you can now, but it's up north, Um, vet science. I digress, it must be getting late. Anyway, I finally rang a vet surgery where a man in his mid-70s, even back then, was still the senior vet there. And he said to me, well, it's a very base industry, do you think you can handle that? And I said, what do you mean? I'm, I'm sorry. And he said, oh, you know, a lot of blood, a lot of poo. Do you think you can handle that? And I said, oh, look, I think so. I've worked in um, in some different health sectors. I've, I've worked in childcare. I've worked in the disability sector. I've worked a little in aged care. I said, I'm, I have my own babies. I, I don't think that that would bother me. He said, what about the surgery aspect? I said, look, I honestly don't know. Um, I'd like to think that I'm pretty kind of strong stomached and I'm definitely interested and he said well come on in stand alongside me for the day and if you know and if you can handle it 
I'll give you a job. <laughs> anyway, he was this fantastic animal whisperer with no people skills whatsoever <laughs> and an absolutely truly amazing vet that I was really lucky to work alongside on and off for a few years. So I never trained. I'm not a qualified vet nurse, but I learned some amazing um some amazing things in in that short few years that I was a casual vet nurse and gosh he was amazing he really was he could literally just lay his hands on an animal and know pretty much what was going on and the younger vets who worked with him would often say oh well you know we better do the ultrasound or we better do the x-ray or you know the client wants it we better and he'd say yep do it if you want but it's xyz I'm telling you and he was right every time a hundred percent of the time he was right um just an incredible man I believe he's probably gosh he must be mid-80s or something now and I think he's still practicing I don't know anyway in the end my autistic self and his most probably autistic self <laughs> didn't end up getting along that well but I had the utmost respect for um for him and the way he was with animals and I almost wish sometimes I want to go back and keep working there but gee the pay is lousy $17 an hour or something it was and I ended up teaching drama earning earning you know like I don't know what it was almost four times as much so I couldn't justify being away from my children as much as I loved vet nursing um but yes um before my beautiful Frankie I had um, one dog of my own. Um, actually, I had two, but one didn't live very long at all. They were both Dalmatians and one sadly had parvo probably from the breeders um, and died when he was less than four months old. Um, but I had a gorgeous Dalmatian um, her name was Mo, after Mo Tucker, the drummer from the Velvet Underground. And I had her, um, I don't know how old I must have been, 19, I think, when I got her. Oh, and until Frankie, i got to say, Frankie had big boots to fill because I was in love with this dog. She was my absolute soulmate. Um, and she sadly only lived for two and a half years. Um, she had a massive heart tumour and the day we found out about it she had to be euthanised that night. It was actually opening night of a show that I was in in Ballarat when I was studying music theatre and whoa I struggled to get through that one um, but yeah she was an incredible dog. The vet said she'd been living on a quarter of her heart for who knows all her life probably she had this massive heart tumour and there was absolutely no indication prior to the day that she got very sick and had to be put down. She was, we used to walk around Lake Wendery which was a good hour's walk, you know, at least three, four times a week and she kept up and she was happy and just the love of my life. She was absolutely gorgeous and... um spotty dog of course being a Dalmatian and you guys can probably see the photo of my Frankie she's a Dalmatian Frenchie and I think this is quite a sweet story for those of you who um who love your animals and 
perhaps have wondered about reincarnation. When I chose um, my Frankie, she was one day old. No, two days old by the time I confirmed that I was going to go ahead with it. I saw a photo of her the day that she was born. Um, I jumped at the opportunity. Um, my stepfather, one of my stepfathers had just passed away and I had been talking um to him about the fact that I was looking out for a, um, a an assistance dog, a puppy to train as an, as an assistance dog. And anyway, long story short, she appeared in my news feed on, on Facebook <laughs> after deciding that a French bulldog was actually a good breed for me, um, uh, given that I lived in a tiny bedsit, um, that she was going to be the best kind of size and temperament for what I was wanting. Anyway, she was white, pure white. She had um, one large spot on her back and one black ear. But apart from that, or a little bit of black on the other ear, she was pure white, no pigment on her face or anything. Um, yeah, and mostly pied Frenchies or what Frankie is, which is actually technically brindle pied because um, her black has tiny bits of brown in as well. But there was no indication when I chose her that she was going to end up a spotty, spotty dog. <laughs> and in actual fact, she wasn't spotty all over when I took her home even at, um, I think she was 10 weeks, not eight weeks. I can't quite recall. Yeah, 10 weeks old. And um as the kind of weeks went on, she got spottier and spottier. And I think at one point the breeder almost, not apologised, but but tentatively spoke to me as though I might be disappointed that she looked like this. And I just said, no, no, you have no idea. I said, I haven't had another dog for 20 years because I've been so heartbroken over the loss of my darling Mo. And I said... And Mo was a Dalmatian. <laughs> so this is absolutely perfect that I've ended up with this little Dalmatian Frenchie. It's like a part of my Mo came back to be with me in um, in this crazy little French, stubborn Frenchie body. So, yeah, that's been absolutely fantastic. I'm sure I could talk dogs for ages, as any of you who love dogs can. And I hope that um, you've enjoyed my little uh, chat. Um, it's been half an hour, so it's time to say goodnight. Most definitely it's time to say goodnight. And I look forward to another episode very soon. I've got some fantastic things coming up. I won't give too much away, but I have some really exciting guests I'll be speaking with, probably not in bed, probably in my car, but <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. It doesn't have to be at night time, does it? Guests might want to climb under my weighted blanket with me in my bed and have a chat. I think that could be rather lovely. But um, I've got some great guests coming up and also some... Uh, Lots of different topics I'm keen to have a chat about. Some personal, about my childhood, my life, things that I've been through. 
things that I'm dealing with or I've dealt with. Uh, some more political, I guess, or um, esoteric or philosophical. But then there'll be some more episodes where I literally talking to other people about what they do and about what excites them as well. And uh, I really look forward to um, meeting some of you. Please feel free to leave me a message at any stage. And um, I'm still figuring out this whole medium, so so uh, we can figure it out together. Good night and sweet dreams. And if you've got a puppy dog at home, please give them a big smooch from me. <laughs> See you later.